Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. So we're here in Matthew uh, chapter 24 again, and uh, we're looking here again at the signs of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, if you remember, their, their question here, the disciples' question has two parts to it. First of all, they said, what is going to be the sign of your coming? And uh, we've already uh, worked our way through all those things as he gave the answer there from uh, verse four all the way through uh, verse 35. And uh, today we're gonna be looking here primarily uh, beginning in verse number 36. And now that he's gonna address their second question of when will these things be? So what is gonna be the sign of your coming? But now, when will these things be? And uh, so he's gonna go through here, verse 36, and it's gonna take us really all the way through uh, chapter 25 uh, through verse 31, uh, which we'll look at uh, in the coming uh, month here. But uh, one of the things that uh, I have noticed, uh, maybe you have as well, especially if you have children and uh, had children growing up in the home, uh, one of the things that our daughter has enjoyed playing is hide and seek. And uh, we take turns, she goes and hides, I count, and uh, go try to find Evelyn and then we reverse the roles. Our daughter, I don't think, really has it down yet because when she goes and hides, I say, okay, ready or not, here I come. And I say, okay, where's Evelyn? And the whole idea is I'm supposed to find Evelyn, but then she just comes out of her hiding place. Here I am! And uh, so we're trying to work on that a little bit. But, uh, you know, really when when we're talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, Really, we could title this and we can summarize this as ready or not, here I come. And that's exactly what our Lord is trying to teach here, that his coming is going to be unexpected, ready or not, here I come. And uh, he's trying to tell them here of when he is going to be coming. So this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. Be prepared because Jesus will come suddenly and unexpectedly. So let's take notice here in our text here, a few verses, and uh, we'll pull all this uh, here together. So number one, no one knows the day or the hour, but be expecting his return. Uh, Take a look here at verse number 36. He says, but concerning that day and hour, Jesus says, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Look at verse number 42. Therefore, stay awake, he says, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Look at verse 44. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then even in uh, verse number 50, he says, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know. And then even further into Matthew 25 and uh, verse number 13, he says here, watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour. 
So he is talking, Jesus is talking about a specific day, and not only just a specific day, but even right down to the very specific hour of when he will come. And he says it's going to be a time that no one knows about. Now, you could just Google this, and I have. Uh, you can look and see of all the people who have made predictions of when Jesus was going to return. And it even goes all the way back. I think the earliest one was uh, something like uh, 500 uh, AD, um, or even a little bit further than I think it might have been like 125 AD or something like that. But even now, we have predictions of people saying that there's a prediction now that Jesus will come back in the year 2055. So people have been predicting when the Lord will come, but Jesus specifically says here what? Nobody knows. And uh, he goes on to specifically say that in his coming, look at verse number 36, not even the angels of heaven know, nor the Son. Now that's pretty interesting, isn't it? How can Jesus not know? Jesus says, even the son of man doesn't know. How is it that Jesus Christ, who is God, cannot know something? I mean, God knows everything, right? How is it that he cannot know? The real question is, he can't know something or doesn't know something? You see, when we talk about Jesus here, he is fully God and he is fully totally God because you can't be just part God. He's not 50-50. He's not half God, half man. He is 100% God and he's 100% man. And here we see, Jesus says that not even the son knows, but only the father. But when we understand that when Jesus became a man, he voluntarily restricted the use of his godhood or his divine attributes. In other words, it wasn't that he laid aside his attributes because he was still fully God. It's just the fact that he restricted the use of them. And so it was the fact that he did not choose to use that. And so here he lived, as it were, without using his ability to know exactly when he's gonna return unless the father told him to use it. And so the Bible here says, verse 36, Jesus says, but only the Father, only the Father knows of when Christ is going to return. And I believe here this is a very good, important thing for us to take away from this because the Lord wants every generation to live in expectancy of his return, knowing that Christ is going to return. Every generation needs to be prepared for his coming. We don't know what generation it's going to come upon, but there is going to be a generation that will see all these things and there will be a generation that will see his return. When that will be, we can't really say for sure. But when it comes, we find out here that what Jesus teaches us, it's gonna come like swift destruction is what he says. Every New Testament writer that we read about in the uh, New Testament, they wrote about Christ coming and living in expectancy of his coming. For example, in 1 Corinthians 1, 7 through 8, it says, Paul writes, he says, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So there was this first generation church in Corinth that were waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're waiting as if he were to come, even in their own generation, expecting for him to come. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the writer here says that those people, he reminds them to be living in expectancy that the day of the Lord is approaching. Guess what we're doing here today? We're waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're meeting together, hoping that he's gonna be returning. We're expecting his return. When you get together with other believers and you have fellowship with one another, what are you doing? You're stirring up each other to good works. So what are you doing? You are encouraging one another. Say, look, Christ is going to be returning. We're going to stir up each other to good works. We're living in the expectancy of his return. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul, Paul writes, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Paul, Paul says that we're looking up, we're anticipating his return. In James, you find the very same thing. James chapter five, verse eight says, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. First Peter 4, seven says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded. In 1 John 2, 18, John wrote and he says, it is the last days. And lastly, in Revelation 22, verse number 20, the very last words of the New Testament, John writes this and he says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon, amen. Come Lord Jesus. So you see the writers, even in the New Testament, were looking for an expectancy that the Lord was going to even return, even in their generation. They were expecting his return. And we too should be living our life expecting his return. Why? Well, if we expect it at any time, we're going to be prepared for it at any time. And so we need to be prepared. We need to be expecting his return, that he will return, that he is going to be returning. And God only knows when it will be. So ready or not, he's coming. And so we need to be prepared. Look at the second thing here. As in the days of Noah, so will be Christ's return. In Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39, notice what the Lord says here about how the end of the age will be coming. And he tries to draw a few parallels here. Notice what he says, verse 37. For as were, so will be. Verse 38. For as in, verse 39, so will be. So what was Jesus talking about here? Well, it appears people thought that they were living normal lives during the time that Noah lived. He says here that they were eating and drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. They were just going on as life has always been. Not a care in this world. Everything's just continuing exactly as it always has been. And they were totally oblivious to the impending disaster that came upon them. 
He said that in the last days, he said that these last days would parallel the society of Noah's day. And we can look further into God's word to learn what he meant here. Uh, Let's turn back over to the book of Genesis to help us understand what Jesus says about these last days and what it will be like. Uh, The book of Genesis here, uh, chapters one through six, give us the history of mankind and he explains what the conditions were like here at this time in Genesis. Now, this is very important to take notice of because there are people who proclaim that they know Christ that do not believe the book of Genesis, nor do they believe that there was a worldwide flood, nor do they believe that Adam was ever a real human being, but Jesus himself even testifies of that, and he says, as we're in the days of Noah. So Jesus himself even believed that Noah was a real person, that Noah actually did live through the the disaster that came and there was a flood. Jesus actually believed that. And so here in Genesis, if we refresh our minds here about this account here, about the history of mankind prior to the flood, we find that after God placed human beings on earth, mankind quickly headed towards self-destruction. Following Adam and Eve's example of rejecting God's instructions, humanity became increasingly hostile and corrupt. By the time Noah, look here in Genesis chapter six, verse number five, look what it says here. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and it grieved him to his heart. And so we see here, God is so grieved about this. Look at verse six, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. Now, God's regret was not sorrow for making a mistake. It wasn't like, whoops, I messed that one up. No, he was grieved. He regretted it because his heart to see how far the humanity has fallen, how corrupt it had became, how far that they had left their original intention of what he had created them to be. Notice here in verse number 13, what he tells Noah He says, and God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now we look at this and we say, well, where is the mercy of God in all of this, right? I mean, here's these people, they're doing wrong. I mean, God's just gonna wipe them out. That's it, it's done, it's over. Where is the mercy of God? Well, if you look here in uh, verse number three, it tells us, it says, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. And God says now his days shall be 120 years. And we find here, so for 120 years, God, when he said that, is now long suffering with man. And during those 120 years, Noah preached a warning message to say, look, destruction's coming. Destruction's coming. Repent, repent, repent. Destruction's coming. 
In fact, we read in 1 Peter 3.20, it says, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. And so Noah, for, for 120 years, is preaching a message of righteousness to say, God is waiting for you to repent Repent, repent, repent. Destruction's coming, destruction's coming, destruction's coming. And they refuse to listen. Look at Genesis chapter seven, verse number one. It says, then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are a righteous before me in this generation. And so living this, uh, in this evil society that refused to repent, Noah here alone finds grace in God's sight as a righteous person. In fact, in Hebrews eleven seven, it says about Noah, it says, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, the apostle Paul says that before Christ's return, the world will have perilous times filled with pleasure, seeking, materialism, immorality, violence, idleness, and a rejection of the things of God. In fact, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 15, 19, he says, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. You know, we are currently living in an age where we are seeing this more and more and it's becoming more evidenced and it's becoming more manifested and it's becoming more acceptable behavior amongst us. And you think about Noah living in those days, those days right before destruction came. There was evil, evil. And God says, I'm gonna wipe them all out. You see, as the sinfulness of this age increases, our Lord's message here in Matthew 24 becomes more fitting. You see, as in Noah's days, we're seeing a growing culture of flagrant disregard of God for righteousness, for faithfulness, for truth. And what we are seeing is a love for lying, for murder, for stealing, for sexual immorality, for adultery, violence, and bloodshed. Notice what our Lord says here in verse number 39. He says, and they were unaware, unaware, the flood of Noah's day became an enduring example of punishment for disobedience. In fact, in Luke's account of this in the Olivet Discourse, listen to what Luke writes here and what he adds about this. Uh, in Luke chapter 17, verse number 26, our Lord says this, just as it were in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the son of man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered in the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just that were in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. 
so will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So the Lord here is very specific here and he tells us about his coming as it's gonna be as it were in the days of Noah and even as in the days of Lot, they were unaware. They just continued in their life unexpectedly of the Lord's return. And it came like swift destruction upon them. In fact, Peter helps us understand this a little bit more uh, in uh, 2 Peter chapter uh, 2, verses 5 through 6. Peter writes here, and he talks about God's punishment of the wicked. It reminds us of the flood and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to what Peter writes. He says, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Every time we see a rainbow, what does it remind you of? God's promise, right? He's never gonna flood the earth. But you know what also it's a promise of? It's a promise of his coming judgment, that he will judge the earth again. And it's a constant faithful reminder that God is going to judge the earth. One thing that I don't think that we can really overlook here is about this mercy of God. It's extended to the people, 120 years, God's mercifully extending grace towards people. And for 120 years, these people continued to live in open rebellion against God. And can you hear Noah as he's over there? He's sawing and he's hammering. And he's saying, God's coming, God's coming, the destruction, destruction, destruction. And they're going, Noah! <laughs> You weirdo. For 120 years, he's doing this, pleading for people to repent. And really, it's no different than today. Day after day, God grants mercy to those who live in rebellion and are rejecting God's merciful call to repentance. You see, God graciously has given his son, Jesus, who was crucified on a cross for us, Jesus himself took our punishment. Jesus himself took the very wrath of God that's intended for us. Jesus took that upon himself and he died and he was crucified on a cross. That's God's mercy extending towards us, towards those that do not know Christ. And so I would say, if you do not know Christ, meaning that you've never repented of your sins, you never believed in Christ for salvation and salvation alone, then I urge you and I plead with you to repent, to believe the gospel, listen to what Christ says. In Romans chapter two, verses five through six, the Bible tells us about those who will refuse to respond to the gospel of God says this, in accordance with your hardness and your impotent hearts, he says, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. So our Lord says here in Matthew, as it were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
The first time God brought judgment upon the earth through a great flood of water, the next time he says that he's going to bring judgment upon the earth, as it says in Isaiah 66, 15 through 16, he says that he will render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire, for by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh. So just as in the days of Noah, I'm sure there were people that were mocking and saying, oh, Noah, no way, no way. And is that not what we hear today? In fact, it says in 2 Peter 3, 3 through 4, it says that in the last days, scoffers will come in the last days saying, where's the promise of his coming? Where is it? Where is it? Everything's continued just as it was before. But then sudden destruction is going to come. And so they were unaware. They were unaware. In Luke chapter 21, again, in the account here, what our Lord uh, gives us about this, he says this specifically in verses uh, 34 through 36. We get a, a good picture here about his coming and he says this, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day, the day of Christ's coming, the day of God's wrath, the coming of God's judgment, come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So if you do not know Christ, I urge you, I plead with you to repent of your sins. And if God is drawing you unto himself, do not harden your heart, but believe the gospel. And we got me and the other elders here, we'd be more than happy to talk to you about knowing Christ. And so I urge you to do that. Repent and believe the gospel before it's too late. Here's the third thing. At his coming, stay awake and be ready. Now here in verses 40 and 41, our Lord gets very specific here. You say, what do we mean? Look at what he says. He says, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. What do we mean by taken? Well, I've heard people say, well, this means the rapture here. No, it doesn't, okay? You say, why is that? Well, because that's not what our Lord is talking about here. Look at the context of what he's talking about. What was he just talking about? Verse 39, judgment is coming. Judgment, judgment, judgment. And so this judgment takes them all away. It's, it's based here upon this picture of the, the flood that has come. Judgment has come. One left, one taken. One's taken in judgment. The other one is left. So two, he says, are going to be in the field. And when that final devastating flood of fire comes, what's going to happen? One is going to be left. Two at the mill. When that day comes, what's going to happen? One of them taken, one of them left. And so the people that are left, they're left to do what? To go into the kingdom. They're going to be the people that are going to populate the kingdom. The kingdom of the Lord has come. And so he says, people are going to be left here, and they're going to be left here to populate the kingdom. 
And so you have here the people, they're working on the job and it comes unexpectedly, believers and unbelievers. And when it comes, that's it. And so it's a separation process. In fact, our Lord's gonna talk more about this and we'll, we'll cover this in the coming month. But in Matthew 25, uh, verses 31 through 46, the Lord talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats. And he says, I'll separate them. Where one, he takes the goats and sends them into everlasting punishment and his sheep he will take and give them into the kingdom. Now, all of this to say, look at verse 42. This is real important. He says all of this to say this, therefore, therefore, everything I've told you, therefore, stay awake. Because when the Lord comes, the ungodly will be swept away and the godly will be left remaining safe to enter into the kingdom. Now, that is a promise of our Lord. Stay awake, stay awake. But we don't know the generation that this is gonna come upon. We don't know the exact hour. We don't know the exact day. That's why he says, stay awake. The word here is to, means to be alert. It's the idea of don't doze off, be constantly vigilant. Every generation, every person, you need to be alert. Why? Because for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. It's a cry really for a constant vigilance to stay awake, to be on guard. How many of, uh, people we have here have served in our military? Okay. How many of you ever had to do guard duty? What would happen if you fell asleep on your post? <laughs> Not good, right? Stay awake, be alert, be vigilant. Now look what our Lord here, look how he ties all this in and, and sums all this up. He uses another parable here. Look at verses 43 through 44. He says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not left his house to be broken into. Verse 44, therefore you also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So ready or not, he's coming. This is really not some fairy tale or science fiction. This is fact. This is gonna happen. And so our Lord here tells us just how it will be. And you know, we think about this, even we're talking about Advent, okay? Long ago, the prophets, they all said, Christ is coming, Christ is coming, Christ is coming, Christ is coming, Christ is coming. And guess what? Christ came. He fulfilled every prophecy of his coming. And here we have Jesus himself saying, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Ready or not, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And so what do we need to be doing? We need to be alert. We need to be ready, expecting his coming. So ready or not, he is coming. And if he's not your Lord now, he will be your Lord then because his Lordship will be made manifest in his right to send you into eternity, into hell, into punishment. The Bible tells us that every knee will bow. Some knees will bow because of adoration. 
Some knees will bow because of tear, but every knee will bow. So ready or not, he's coming. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. 